0: Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. On the voice of Lincoln, 1499 3, KLIN.
1: Good Saturday morning. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host, glad to have you along. Uh, we are coming to the end of summer. And uh wow, can you believe it? Today, two weeks, and we are watching or listening to on KLIN uh Husker Football. And that is very exciting. I am the, I'm a sucker. I'm the, uh, the continual Husker optimist. I have no ability to be objective about this. I just think we're always going to win. So I'm just telling you, that's my bias. It's been that way since 1970, and it's never going to change. Uh, so how are we going to win today? Are we going to beat Northwestern? Uh, in two weeks, that is. And I say, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be huge and uh, the defense is going to show up the offense is going to show some tricks and and the irish are going to get a great game i am i think about three percent irish and uh but i i couldn't manage getting there Uh, maybe next time uh it is uh, a privilege to have in studio with me today suzanne blue here from matt talbot kitchen and outreach and uh, so I welcome to uh, the microphone today, Suzanne. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes. Now, what
1: is your title? I'm the, the
2: executive director. The,
1: the ED, the executive director. That's right. At uh, the Matt Talbot Kitchen. And how long have you been doing that?
2: I've been there for oh, 24 years.
1: 24?
2: I would have never thought, um, but I started as a volunteer and then was the first director that Kitchen has had.
1: Wow. So, so there hasn't been another executive director other than no.
2: That's just me. It was all volunteers prior to my taking um, the reign as the first director, and then um, you know we've grown quite a bit during those years, and have a lot of exciting programs and life changing efforts. So it's it's been a blessing.
1: That's well, and we are. uh, I tell you what, there. When one person stays at the helm for that long, that's a blessing for the organization.
0: Well, That's a pretty cool you.
1: deal. Now, um, you, you were on, it was a few years ago, it was pre-COVID, so you're going to have to refresh me on a few things, but one of the things I do know is that you married an old high school uh, buddy of mine mm-hmm. a bull, um, uh, named Jim.
2: That's right, and... Jim Blue, uh, <laughs> partner in crime. <laughs> yes.
1: How, how many years have you guys been married?
2: We have been married 37 years.
1: 37. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is great, and uh it's not uh, you guys are kind of a nonprofit power couple there uh, so he how long has he been at uh, Cedars?
2: He's been at Cedars over 30 years. Um mm. so it's a tremendous organization and he loves it and he loves kids and always has and uh he's perfectly suited for that role. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where did you guys meet?
2: We met at a class uh at UNL Abnormal Psychology. We still <laughs> joke about that. Um and we ended up having a few classes together. He was a year ahead of me, but um it the actual physical meeting was at a party at the Cherry Hut, which I'm not sure if that's even still in existence. Even more, but um,
1: <laughs> I've never heard of the never cherry heard
2: hut. of it. He was, was it? in a fraternity, and there was a party there, and so uh-huh. anyway, and the, the rest, rest yeah, the is, rest history. is history.
1: History that mm-hmm. is something. Mm-hmm. Now, where where are you originally from? Then
2: I'm from Omaha. Okay. Um, grew up in Omaha. I went to Marion High School, um, mm-hmm. and uh, when we met at UNL. Um, Jim had graduated and moved to Omaha, so I moved back after graduation, and we started our home uh, together in Omaha and worked mm. um, for Homeless Services at that time.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, Was it then Cedars that brought you to Lincoln? Or?
2: Um, actually, it was Catholic Social Services. Jim okay. took a job with Catholic Social Services, and at that time I was pregnant with our first, and I just stayed at home for a while and mm-hmm. started volunteering at the Matt Talbot mm-hmm. Kitchen and Friendship Home, and yeah. then eventually made my way. To, you know yeah. the position.
1: Yeah, Remind everybody where uh, Matt Talbot Kitchen uh, the primary location is there.
2: Our location is uh, 2121 North 27th Street so we're right by the Lincoln Water System. We have a wonderful facility and we're going through a expansion project right now too. Mm. So never a dull moment there. It's our final phase of the relocation to North 27th Street. Wow.
1: There, uh, now, I, I like to bike through Lincoln and all the trails of Lincoln, and one of the trails just goes right by Mount Talbot, right?
2: That's right. It does. We maintain that. We try and keep that clean. Um, we mm. have volunteers who help us with that. And a lot of our, our patrons do uh, travel on bikes for all of their uh, transportation. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, the uh, just... We're gonna we'll circle back around to this in just a minute too. But what are what are the primary? uh, What's the primary mission of Matt Talbot? Every yeah, I know you do so many things, but if you had to summarize the primary mission of Matt Talbot and the and the biggest things you do, what would you say?
2: Relieve hunger, overcome addiction, um, address homelessness, and provide outreach and advocacy.
1: Mm. That's uh, now we've we haven't been together since COVID, Mm -hmm. and we were talking off air about COVID a little bit here. Um, those I know talking with uh, Tom Barber at the mission uh you know there was never a day off it wasn 't like, oh well, you know they 're just well the homeless and hungry people uh, and the addicted people are just going to have to wait mm-hmm. and uh and, and i 'm assuming it was the same thing for you
2: It was the same thing for us we 're open seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year the The pandemic uh, made that quite challenging, but we were very committed to that. Um, Staff took on new roles. Um, We rely very heavily on volunteers. And of course, for a while, I mean, volunteers, many are retired. They step back, you know, it wasn't safe in those earlier months too. It was a pretty scary time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was all hands on deck. We had board members, um, helping out too, which was a tremendous, um, help and, you know, working weekends and yeah, it was a stressful time. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. Now
1: it's funny as, as time went on, we learned a little bit more about how the, you know, COVID functions and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We were also talking off air, uh, both of us went over 2 years without getting covid what what do you attribute that to because you're we're both in people businesses you know and and, and really can't i i couldn't just say well i'm just not going to be around people for 2 years uh, well how did how did you last as long cuz I mean, we both finally got caught this summer yeah <laughs> but how did you last that long
2: i really don't know i'm calling it grace um faith i don't know <laughs> um you know i took all the precautions got the the um the shots um the all of the hygiene wore my masks um You know, yeah, we were just in the thick of it. Um, I don't really know. I I lucked out. I tested several times, was worried many times, um, but uh, lucked out until just recently um, and survived.
1: Yes, yes. Well, my case uh, was was pretty mild, and, mm-hmm. but I always want to hear what people mean by that because sometimes people say, "Oh, I had a mild case and, and then they describe it, and it 's like that doesn't sound mild to me but for me, it was a little bit of a body ache and a little bit of fatigue and uh, and a runny nose basically right Is that similar to what It was
2: very similar, but i it, it felt a little worse than a normal cold for me yeah. um so a little bit and more fatigue than i was ever used to i uh, mm-hmm. i just i just was wiped out so mm-hmm. and then you know that congestion was quite a bit but again feeling a lot better now and i know people had it a lot worse than i did so i'm just thankful
1: yes yeah. yes and and i thankfully again the the form of it that's going around now it seems to be a lot less deadly and and i it's, it's hard for me not to believe that I was also vaccinated and boosted, and that 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 didn't help keep it on the more controlled side. But right. I guess you'll, we'll never know, right?
2: We won't know for sure, but I'm going with the science on that one. I will, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll,
1: and I'll double down with you on that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, uh, again, it, it it worked out well for me. My, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, my wife still has not gotten COVID. We do live on an acreage, mm-hmm. so
2: maybe, <laughs> that helps. That yeah, doesn't hurt. Yeah,
1: that doesn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. Um, as you, uh, reflect back on that, uh, just a quick question and we'll take a break and come back. But, uh, did, did COVID, uh, what was the biggest way in which COVID changed the way you had to do things, uh, at Matt Talbot?
2: I would say the most impacted program was our core program of hunger relief, um, because, mm we um we had a lot fewer volunteers coming in and we wanted to offer to go meals so for our we serve many just low income working poor folks and mm-hmm. for those who need help with food assistance um you know they were not coming in and mm-hmm. they shouldn't have come in if they had a place to go so mm-hmm. we started offering to go meals and mm-hmm. the cost Um, and the work involved in providing those meals, um, well, it was about a 20% increase on, in our operating budget, but also just, Mm -hmm. you know, having all the supplies on hand Mm -hmm. to do that. We have maintained doing that. It'll be a permanent change for Matt Talbot. Mm. So the people can dine in or take their meal to go. Mm. Um, And it's just being a little more flexible um, for those who are truly homeless and no place to go. They have a nice, safe place in our dining room. And we're not so overcrowded like we had been because... That was crowding was has always been in all my years at Matt Talbot. Yeah. That's been an issue. Yeah. So yeah. to go meals have been a permanent change and yeah. busy. Making, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: uh, We're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we'll expand on that because uh, uh, I think COVID impacted all of us in certain ways. And we've made some permanent changes in the church that I would not have anticipated. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, we adapt. Right. Uh, So we'll take a little break here talking today with Suzanne Blue here from Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach. And glad to have you along. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on 1499.3 KLIN.
0: Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
1: We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Suzanne Blue here. She's the executive director at Matt Talbot uh, Kitchen and Outreach. We were talking about some of those changes that uh, we, everybody was adapting uh, when it comes to COVID. I, you know, we had talked forever about live streaming, <laughs> you know, the service. And it was like, oh, I don't know. And it just, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. Uh, well, actually, technically, you probably are too. <laughs> but and it's like, oh, is that really? Do we need to do that? And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think now we'll be probably live streaming forever. It's just it's just a part of what we do. And uh, and so there there are just some changes that at first were tentative, and now they've become permanent. You mentioned the to-go food. Were there any other things that you that you said I, I've got to change this? And then you begin to realize I think this is just the new way we need to do
2: things we do a lot more with technology virtual zoom meetings that type of thing and sort of beefed up our efforts with that um we have more of a uh, protocols for cleaning and sanitizing which you know um is always a good thing so um that was good um we um, have had an opportunity to expand our housing program, so working more um, to get people housed and off the street, which is an opportunity that came out of COVID um, that you know we want to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, when when COVID was at its worst, though, and we closed our dining room, we brought in um, outdoor hand washing, porta potties. We made a little park picnic area for diners to be able to eat safely outside. So there just were a lot of things. You know, just any little detail that you could think about. We were mm-hmm. providing a lot of masks. Um, we served as a site with the Lancaster County Health Department for vaccinations. I am mean, encouraged and provided a lot of education. Mm-hmm. And then all of our case management, a, a lot of that was done virtual in those mm-hmm. early days, too. So
1: um, the, uh, as you think about all those changes you would think the vast majority of them are changes that'll just pretty much stay for for quite a while
2: i think they will stay a lot of it now we the outside services we are no longer have so it was a good day when they came to pick up the porta potties and that (laughs) kind of thing i have to say um but um most of the other changes will just keep it's just adapting to the yeah. world as we know it right now yeah
1: that was the one the one the biggest adaptation we made at the church was uh uh we did drive-in uh uh services mm-hmm. where people could tune in their fm uh a t- fm tuner and hear the service in the comfort and sec- seclusion of their of their automobile mm-hmm. and i know my uh, several people thought that seemed seemed weird at first, but when you'd been isolated from people a little bit, it was really encouraging just to even through a car to see other people. Mm-hmm. And I would think that, uh, and you know, we're in the people business. uh, How for that brief season where people just really shouldn't be around each mm-hmm. other, and then when you got through that and you got to okay, let's try to find safe ways to be together. Did you see that same that same need and hunger on the part of people to to just? Not be alone to be well, around that, others
2: absolutely, and that is one of the uh one of the not tangible things that Matt Talbot provides is a sense of community, and mm. we're very proud of that. I mean, we want a place where people can come and and relax and visit with others. Um, many people spend time alone, and so when we could safely invite guests back in, and I think we went with the homeless first. Um, in November because the weather was changing and we, you know, wanted to get people back in and we had plexiglass out and, you know, the Mm -hmm. masks and whatnot, but just the yearning people had for just those visits with one another and just the, the shared, you know, stories, um, I remember hearing laughter in the dining room and it was like a vitamin for me. I, I hadn't heard it in so long. Mm -hmm. And and that's some of the joy of doing the work that we do, that we can provide that sense of community to people. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. The,
1: so the to-go meals that continues then?
2: To-go meals continue, virtual meetings and such continue, although there's more Mm -hmm. in-person services as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now for, I know for, uh, for churches and nonprofits, uh, that uh, one of the questions was going to be, well, how is how is giving going to keep up? And uh, and again, we've adapted, <laughs> and uh, in certain ways, but uh, we're grateful that that giving didn't really change. In fact, it stayed kind of on course with what we thought it would. And I've talked with uh, other churches and nonprofits. It seems like I've heard a lot of that, but it's not universal. How did how did Matt Talbot fare in terms of uh, of maintaining? Uh, The giving that's required to do this, all the stuff that you do.
2: I think our giving stayed on course pretty well. I mean, we did a few appeals. Now, our giving stayed on course, but our expenses did go up. I mean, they absolutely did with some of the modifying, especially for the hunger program and having to buy more food, too, because Mm -hmm. we didn't have the volunteers coming in with their casseroles and that kind of thing, too. So, Mm -hmm. Giving stayed on course. Um, we're very thankful to the community for that. I, we would get notes of encouragement. Some would say, I didn't need the stimulus. You know, here you guys do something good with it. So it was mm-hmm. very encouraging. Um, summer months are always our leanest months. So we have a summer appeal going on right now, and that's to really replenish, um, after the summer holiday giving is very strong for us. Yeah, and so. By July and August, we're kind of, re- you know, ready for a little support.
1: But. Yeah. And well, with uh, uh, with uh, serving meals being one of the top things that you do and, of course, the cost of food now, now we're now it's not COVID, but it's inflation. Right. And uh, so that's got a uh, how do you uh, I mean, obviously, that's what executive directors do and the boards do is they find ways to adapt. But mm-hmm. but that's probably been in many ways. Uh, the inflation has probably been just as much of a challenge as, as COVID was in some ways.
2: Yeah, it really has. I mean, we've reached out to, um, local farmers and, um, and restaurants and such, encourage, um, donations of fresh produce and, you know, uh, donated food. Um, we try and offer op- opportunities for our volunteers to take advantage of some of that. We're, we're purchasing more food than we used to. Um, mm-hmm. And then just in terms of employees, we've had to look at wages and things like that just to make sure that we're, you know, good employers and keeping, you know, our staff um, uh, with wages that are living wages and addressing the inflation mm-hmm. issues as well. So. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's the time of year for a lot of people in their gardens where, mm-hmm. hey, they've got the extra cucumbers and extra tomatoes and zucchinis and whatever. I it never occurred to me that uh, Matt Talbot, uh, how much of that stuff? can you take or would you take we
2: take as much as people will give um, if we know ideally people will call in advance if if it's a very large donation and we spread it around we call some of our partner agencies um, if that's the case, but if not, we have big tables in the dining room. Um, we use some for our feeding program, and we share a lot with our our guests who come in for meals.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: we love it when we get produce down there.
1: Oh well, mm-hmm. that's hey, that's good to know, listeners. Yeah. Hey, if you've got that garden and you don't know what to do with those extra tomatoes, uh, run them by North Twenty Seventh. Correct, and uh, that'll uh, you'll you'll put them to good use. Yep, that's that's very cool. The um uh, there was something else i was thinking about that uh, oh the uh, well we're going to take another break in just a minute but when we come back i want to i think people were familiar with the the, the food situation and the uh, the uh dealing with people's uh immediate needs of hunger and so forth but i want to delve in a little bit in the next segment into some of the other things that are a big part of what you do and uh and i also want to talk more about the housing issue because that is uh at least for those of us in the nonprofit world we realize that there's a just a tremendous need there, and uh so i'd be curious to hear some of your thoughts as to uh as to what we could be doing or should be doing to to help create that space Does that sound good sounds great that's great it 's a friendly fire Saturday I'm talking with Suzanne Blue here from uh, Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach. Glad to have you along. freshen up the coffee. Uh, we're just halfway done we got a lot to talk about yet here on friendly fire we're on the voice of Lincoln
0: 1499 3 KLIN interesting topics to kick off your weekend looking at the news with an eye of faith friendly fire with Stu Kearns 1499 3 KLIN
1: welcome back it's friendly fire Saturday talking with Suzanne blue here she's the executive director of the Matt Talbot kitchen and outreach and and wife to an old friend of mine uh and i just that, by the way i love it when I, I have several uh friends from high school who have been uh you know happily married for three or four decades mm-hmm. and that's a pretty cool deal it's the, awesome uh this uh actually today uh, uh kelly and i have uh, celebrate 39
2: congratulations so
1: yeah mm-hmm. so we're uh, I, we're still getting along so that's a good thing. Uh, now, when we think of Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach, we think of the kitchen part. But uh, one of the things you've done over the years is, with your again background and experience, is to expand uh, the ministry and mission of Matt Talbot. So, what are some of those? Uh, you mentioned addiction recovery. Uh, tell me about how that got going and uh, and, uh, and and the kind of the state of that right now.
2: Um, our substance use programming is key. Um, it started um it's about 12 years in with um actual provision of services we have four licensed alcohol and drug counselors there um and they provide um just uh, drug and alcohol evaluations we have sober living houses we have three of them where people um can w- uh, work on their recovery and get back on their feet um, and just general counseling. But it really started with the gentleman named Matt Talbot. Mm. Matt Talbot was a, a chronic alcoholic lived Mm. many years ago in Dublin, Ireland in the 1800s, but he is um, the reason substance use programming was developed at Matt Talbot. He Mm. um, overcame addiction through his devout faith. He was an Irish Catholic man. Mm -hmm. Um, He's considered the patron saint of alcoholics. Um, And so um, our founders really had hoped we would get that programming going and we have, and it 's just been a wonderful blessing. We see people you know abstain from substances, clear their heads and hearts and minds and and move on or employed mm-hmm. living on their own now. There are countless stories like that. it makes a difference so oh,
1: that 's awesome yeah the, uh, you mentioned evaluations, and an evaluation is that first key step in terms of determining okay how how severe is this problem. How much does it cost to come to Matt Tallett and get an evaluation?
2: Well, it costs nothing if you are experiencing homelessness or we have a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they're the cheapest in town, I will say that. Um, mm. If you are homeless, we, uh, we don't charge anything. Mm. Um, and that's just a key thing. They're normally over $200, $300 to have an evaluation done. Mm. So that was the first program um, in the area of addiction that we provided was the evaluation
1: Wow, and it's so crucial, right? To really understand the nature of what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, That's a that's a huge deal. Um, So, the uh, somebody comes to you, they get an evaluation. How far can you take them down the road?
2: well we can take them fairly far we offer pre-treatment classes down there so while they're waiting to get in into a treatment program um, we work with many different agencies that are providing treatment so we um, advocate we call make phone calls we try and get people in we drive them to treatment we also have sober living houses where um if a person has no place to go they can stay there there's Mm -hmm. two for men and one for women um so we have taken people from street homelessness addiction to living on their own fully employed and sober multiple years i mean we absolutely have seen that it works Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. People need a roof over their head in order to conquer mm-hmm. sobriety. I th- I yes. mean, really, they do. You yeah. know,
1: well, that which leads me into another thing that we were talking about before, and that was the, um, I I th- I think the uh, the the mayor's office is very aware that more affordable housing is needed. I I you hear about that in their uh, in their planning and so forth. Where from your point of view, where where are we at with that? I almost everybody I've heard says we need more. Um, Are we are we making progress?
2: I think progress is being made for um, low to moderate income folks. But for the those in extreme poverty, Mm. below 30 percent area median income, um, Mm. there's not been much progress at all. And so that is really a frustration of mine. I hear all the time there's an affordable housing project going in and that's wonderful but it's not meeting the needs of the very low income and mm-hmm. so during this period of covid we've gotten resources to help house homeless individuals and we can't find any housing for them so it's just not matching up with the need right now
1: yeah there if somebody if somebody obviously if you know if they're coming uh, and needing housing and so forth they've been living on the street or something that uh, they Again, they need someone like you to come uh, show them the pathway and everything. Uh, how, how difficult is it to, what, what are the resources out there to help them get over the hump?
2: Well, they, first of all, would have to go through an assessment. Um, several agencies, including Matt Talbot, um, do these housing assessments, and then people get um, uh, on a list for housing assistance, and they're prioritized based on need. And so chronic homeless are given a a higher need. um, And then there's rapid rehousing programs um, for those who have a short term situation and can get over their um, crisis more quickly. So Mm -hmm. um, there there are services in town, wonderful organizations helping, um, but. The need just gets greater, the list gets longer. Um, I'd say there, there's a crisis for affordable housing for low-income people.
1: Yeah, you know? there, uh, is there any other things that you would, uh, again, I think there's a very sympathetic city hall mm-hmm. for this, but you have to still have resources and a plan and everything, and, and is, what's, the, what's the piece that would push this forward most quickly in your mind?
2: Well there's some zoning um, issues that would help. Um, there are some funding opportunities that we could take advantage of. I almost think it's building or rehabbing um, existing places, um, old hotels. There's you know got to be opportunities. I think yeah. we could do some scattered site housing and then some congregate where you know it's like a group home type um, yeah. situation. Yeah. So just yeah. looking at a variety of mm-hmm. um, ways is going to be better than just one single focus, I think
1: yeah yeah, yeah, so much of what you do, you mentioned again uh it's either a sliding scale or it's just free mm-hmm. and uh, so there some people make assumptions that well, you know they're a, a well known nonprofit and they just write grants and mm-hmm. that's how things come in what uh, what percentage uh, how true is that
2: <laughs> that's not really true in yeah. our case, probably about thirty percent. 35% of our funding comes from grants. The rest, 70% is coming from the general public. And we, mm. you know, we have direct mail appeals. We do events, fundraisers um, to help bring funding into to the organization.
1: But it's, uh, so it's, it's, it's the old fundraising pyramid, right? I mean, there may be some big donors in there, but you need a lot of just people... Mm-hmm. Ordinary folks to just give a little That's each month, right. right?
2: Just a little bit each month, it goes a long way.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There, uh, does what part of being the executive director then for such a long time is the is the most encouraging, and what part still is always the most daunting? You can go either one first.
2: Um. I'm going to go with encouraging first. Um, one is that I have been there, um, been there long enough to see some, some great, um, successes. Mm -hmm. Um, I know some volunteers and some, uh, some guests like, you know, they help raise my kids, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that, that history is really neat in that way. Um, we've seen, um, we've seen people that we weren't sure were going to make it make it um some of the daunting things um have been just you know that 365 day responsibility some of the challenges that our guests have the severe you know addiction um mental health issues you know mm-hmm. they're, they're there's limited resources and you know there's just things that happen that are I have no control over. And yeah. so you never know. Um That's daunting. Um Running an organization during this pandemic um, has been very daunting. It's been one of the greatest challenges of my tenure at Matt Talbot. And, you know, and advocating for a population that some have harsh judgment about, you know, yeah. get a job or, you know, go do, you know, do this. Or, you know, people are, you know, the entitlement issue. You know, I just... If people spend a little time at Matt Talbot, I'm, they might think differently um, about some of the folks that we serve. I mean, we they're struggling, um, and um, mm-hmm. I'm thankful we can be there to help, and we could not do it without the community's support.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're we'll going to take one last break. When we come back, we'll do a little shameless plug and maybe talk about some of the other stuff because there's, there's so much that's going on there. And uh and again, uh Matt Talbot uh Kitchen Outreach is one of many secret weapons in this community that uh just serves faithfully, daily, in all kinds of ways, uh that uh that bless this community, that bless the people who are the most overlooked in this community. And uh and that's part of why I wanted to have Suzanne here today to talk again about what she's doing, because uh we, we need to draw the spotlight to these uh programs and ministries and uh we uh we can uh, I think what I hear in your voice is it's very meaningful to say, wow, God used me in a small way to actually change somebody's life. And that's a, that's a pretty cool deal. Uh, it's kind of why I do what I do. <laughs> we'll take one last break here. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Suzanne Blue. She's the executive director of the Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach. And you are listening to Friendly Fire on fourteen hundred ninety nine three K KLIN.
0: Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
1: Rolling right along on a Saturday morning and talking with Suzanne Blue here from Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach. And Suzanne, it is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So I say to you, plug away.
2: I'm going to plug away. I'm going to tell you that on September 6th, Matt Talbot is celebrating 30 years of service in the community. We're going to have a birthday party. Um, and we're very excited about that. Um, we have an expansion project going on right now. Uh, Bold Hope Expands is what it's called. And we're, um, raising funds to, um, increase some storage space for our housing program and, and to provide some efficiencies for the hunger relief program that really was the hardest impacted by the, um, by the pandemic. So we've got that project coming up. Um we it's our summer appeal. Summer is our busiest time of year. We've we've seen a 38% increase in the number of people served um from 2021 to from 2020 to 2021. So um we're getting busier than ever. Uh, things slowed down a little bit during the pandemic, but Um, there, the needs are really increasing right now. So do think of us. Um, we have a website, mtko.org. There's a wish list on there for items that really help us. Um, like through our street outreach program, we give out bottled water and insect repellent and tents and, um, you know, sunscreen and just whatever you think that folks, you know that our living out may need sleeping bags, whatnot. We will gladly receive those, and and the fresh produce and garden produce this summer is greatly needed down at the kitchen. So that's awesome. Yep.
1: M T K O dot org. Correct. So uh that by the way, the wish list. I like that because a lot of people are like eh, I don't know what I could do, and and if I just you know write a little check for uh, you know I don't know twenty five bucks, what is you know it's hard mm-hmm. to know what that did, but. When you drop off something, uh, so there's because those needs never go away, do they?
2: Never go away. I mean, some, you know, seasonal issues arise in the winter months. We want gloves and hats and things like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the need is always there and it has been for 30 years. And, you know, we're Mm -hmm. thankful we're here all 30 years, um, to celebrate. We're still in a, you know, a growth season, Mm -hmm. um, in our tenure as an organization and, um, we just we want to thank everyone for supporting us all these years. It, we mm. absolutely could not do it without the community.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that we were talking about the uh, addiction and, and mental health issues and I know from my vantage point I've I've seen depression and anxiety just spiking mm-hmm. in the people that uh, that I talk with and I'm assuming that's got to be the same thing for you at the uh, at MTKO uh, is is it leveling off now, or is it is it maintaining kind of that new level?
2: You know, this is going to sound uh, daunting, but it's. I think it's worse than ever. Mm. I think some of the mental health needs that I've seen over the last couple of years have been severe, um, and there have been limited resources for people. We mm. see folks who are so out of um, reality um, mm. that. Um, uh, it's a real crisis. For um, uh, commitment laws are, are are very weak and should be looked at. Now mm. that I have a voice, I'm sharing that more often because, mm-hmm. you know, people um, cannot survive out in the elements in the winter, the summer, whenever it is, um, with severe mental illness. And there's, you know, uh, calling the police isn't the solution.
1: Yeah, yeah. I that. And, and, yeah, we've been, uh, I think the police do a, a wonderful job, and I'm a huge supporter of the police, but, but when we ask them to do things <laughs> that act like mental health counselors, Correct. Yeah. and uh, they're, I don't know, I. it seems like we've got to have a better solution, mm-hmm. don't we? But no, yep. nobody seems to know what it is.
2: It's a it's a hard situation. It's been a challenge um, for many years, but I feel like um, the last few years we've seen more very uh, disturbed folks where we have done some of our own safety training and uh, mm-hmm. mental health training and reaching out to other groups, uh, crisis support, um, to bring them in to, to teach us how to be um, better responsive. But it's not a good time for yeah. the mental health issues. Yeah.
1: Uh, just about five minutes left if when uh, some of the other okay so we talked about the the uh, um, meal meal need the hunger uh needs and the addiction needs what are some of the other things that you guys uh, people may not be aware that that you're involved in down there
2: well with our housing program um we have an opportunity to get people housed um we have um uh a need for landlords um who might be willing to work with us maybe to relax some of their requirements um mm-hmm. we do provide the case management and a and a ready staff member to respond to any issues um as soon as possible, you know, within 24 hours, we guarantee. So, you know, if, if anyone's interested in working with us to help house, um, some of our folks, um, you know, um, with the fair market rent, Mm -hmm. um, then please give a call down there. I talk to anyone, um, that has that opportunity for us. Um, I also think that, um, you know, just helping with this program expansion with uh, the building. As soon as we mm. get this done, we can get back to just the day in and day out service. So, is it,
1: so the expansion, is that related to just basically what you you need to, uh, to make bigger what you already have? Correct.
2: Uh, and, and... Um, when we moved to North 27th Street, um, that was in 2010, and we had kind of three phases of that project. And when we moved, it was a recession, and we had like less than a year to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we put it out in phases, we could only do so much. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is the final phase, and it really will support the hunger program and the housing program. Mm-hmm. And for donations, we also, you know, beds dressers, living room furniture, you know, um, we'll have, we're not equipped just yet, but by, you know, the spring of next year, we should be done and ready to accept those donations. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: helping, you know, as people get housed.
1: Now, knowing that location and biking past it a few times, (laughs) there, there's probably a limit to how much you can expand at that, uh, that site, I would imagine. And so this is this last phase going to pretty much uh, take that site to its its limit, and then who then who knows? Maybe a, a second site or something else down the line.
2: That's that's right. It, this would take us to the limit at our current facility. Um, any other projects, maybe related to housing, would be more. They'd be off site.
1: Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And that, uh, and who knows. Uh, there's just so many variables in terms of some of those things coming to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: We're strategic planning right now. We're in the ending the first year of a three year plan, and just you know looking at ways you know we want to build our infrastructure. We've always been this very uh, very service oriented organization, and we mm-hmm. all about program and helping people. And and so some of our organization's infrastructure didn't get developed. So we're working yeah. towards that to to really strengthen our organization for the next 30 years.
1: So. Yeah, just a minute and a half left. And so you and your husband, again, you're pouring out your life to serve people. What, what fills your tank? Uh, and I know you enjoy the work you do, but when you're not working, what is it that you and Jim say, hey, this is – This is going to fill my bucket, so I'm ready to get back and roll my sleeves up and and, and get back to MTKO.
2: Well, we love our family time. Um, We have two grown kids. Um, We have our pup, who is a a funny dog. Um, We garden a lot, so between um, gardening and um, vegetables and flowers. And we love the mountains, and we're heading out Mm. soon to to the mountains for a little bit of R&R. And um that fills our bucket
1: the yeah. uh we I am doing the same at <laughs> the end of this month <laughs> yeah we, we're gonna head out to Grand lake Colorado wonderful so uh, mm-hmm. uh isn't it funny how the mountains have that power
2: they do
1: yeah that yeah. thank you so much for uh coming in today and kind of catching us up on what's going on there and uh I just want to say uh you know as as a as a member of the community uh as someone who kind of is in touch with all the nonprofits and things that are going on, I just I hope you know we appreciate what you and your team do, mm-hmm. and uh, and we need to do a, we need to keep supporting. We need to ramp it up, uh, but we uh, but it wouldn't get very far without a leader. So thank you for leading.
2: Well, thank you very much. We have a great team down there.
1: Yeah, it's it's always a team, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, great to talk with Suzanne Blue here from MTKO Matt Talbot Kitchen and Outreach. And I leave you saying this week as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.